Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Beautiful. All right, you guys can grab your seats. Um, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Leon. I'm one of the pastors here at GGC, and it is my honor to be bringing the word this morning. Um, and I have a beautiful wife as well. I think she's, maybe she's out doing something. There she is. That's my beautiful wife over there. Everyone give a round of applause to Vanessa. She's amazing. I love her. And three years ago, I made the decision to start sharing a bed with her. Um, and so uh, can I just get a raise of hands for anyone that's ever had to share a bed ever, maybe with a sibling or a husband or a wife or a friend. Okay, so you, you got me here with this story. Uh, you got Vanessa, actually. Paul Vanessa is the crux of the story. So here's the thing. This week, uh, Vanessa and I, we've been sharing a bed for three years. We're getting pretty good at it, if you know what I mean. And um, we're sharing the bed, and w- in the middle of the night, Vanessa wakes up freezing, shivering, and ready to kick me off the bed because I had the whole, we've got a queen-size bed, but a king-size doona. And somehow I managed to wrap myself up with the king-size doona with nothing left for Vanessa. And she, she's cold. She's ready to kick me off the bed. And this poor girl had to wake up from her beautiful sleep. She wakes up early in the morning to go to work. She leaves home around 5, 5.30, something like that. And I was ruining her sleep. But here's the thing. When something's going wrong... You're woken up out of your sleep to react. And I feel like personally, um, a lot of people have labeled this past season in many different ways. Uh, But we can be real about the fact that we've kind of entered into what could be considered a wilderness season. Let me, let me. Not lose you for a moment. This isn't about a sad preach of, of this is all going, everything's going wrong and the pandemic is crushing us and things aren't great. Let me tell you something. I believe that God uses the wilderness season as a wake up call, right? We know, we already know the heart of God is our Father is the type of Father that turns all things. Everybody say, all things. Say it like you believe it, all things. I said, say it like you believe it. Come on, ready? One, two, three. He turns all things around for the good of those who love Him. You can put faith in someone that assures you of His goodness like that. That He, he, he actually says, He's guaranteeing you. This is, this is His Jesus Christ guarantee that I will turn all things around for the good of those who love me. Why? Because I bore it all for you. It's like we were driving, I mean, I don't know if you've ever crashed your parents' cars, but I crashed my parents' cars several times growing up, learning to drive, and um, many times they'd help, they wouldn't like put guilt on me or shame on me, and I feel like salvation, you can liken it to a parent who sees their child, they've stuffed up, they've made a mistake, and they... They know that if they were to pay the, the, the damage repairs, they'd be in debt for a long time. So this parent, there's no, this parent doesn't have to. There's no, there's no weight or need for the parent to have to bail out this child, but the parent chooses to pay the price to repair the car. The reality is, is that there is, there, we've stuffed up. There's stuff that, have, that has been stuffed up, but God is saying, hey, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to take care of it. So everybody say all things. Say it again like you believe it. I said all things. He turns all things around for the good. So I believe he's using this wilderness season as a wake-up call to shake his church into action. Robbie was prophesying about this just a little bit earlier in today's service. 
like there are some people that are going to go through this season. God is using it as a refining fire. Don't be the people that fall off the horse in this season. Race forward. Charge forward as if to win the race in this next season. And uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus' time in the wilderness. Um, we're going to be reading from a scripture, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at the story of where Jesus entered a season where he was in the wilderness fasting for 40 days. Fasting, super hungry. And um, he actually brought it about on himself because he knew the power that comes when someone chooses to die to themselves. Now, I believe what's actually happening here as well is, what is he waking us up to in this wilderness? He wants to wake us up into resurrection power. Resurrection power cannot exist without death. So the Bible says when we die with him, we are raised with Christ. So God is calling us to be raised with him and wake up, wake up and listen to the call in this moment. You know, it was the very launching pad for the ministry of King Jesus. And I believe it says something about the God that we serve, that he is using this season more than you know, and that the, the kingdom of God, I believe, actually thrives in a season of wilderness. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He's making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's, it's just like God to be, to be the one that comes and he takes things that are at, at, at its end and bring them to life because it gives him all the glory. And so I believe he's going to be doing that with us. He's doing that with his church. He's doing that with the world. And I believe, I kind of was prophesying about this before we entered into this season. I believe that this season is one where God is taking you as his arrow and he's fitting you in his bow. And it might feel like you're being pulled back. It might feel like you've headed the wrong way in this season. But I believe with the stretching and the, the pulling and even feeling like you've been pulled back in this season or things have been put on pause, this, this is a moment for us to die to self and get ready to be launched into all that God has for us. Do you believe it? Do you want it? The thing is, God's only going to pour it out to those that are hungry like the Bible talks about how in the last days he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Don't be the goats in this season. Like many of us have probably have pondered about what the end times will look like. You know, we think maybe, you know, towards the end of ages, someone's going to point a gun at our head and, and say, will you deny Jesus, right? But it's funny, we don't even have to get to that point because we're experiencing an element of that end age now where we have the opportunity to either stand up for Christ or stand down. So let's be the church that stands for him. Amen. Amidst everything in the wilderness, you know, there's no power. Anyone that's having a good time can bear good fruit, right? It's normal when you're having a good time to bear good fruit. If Vanessa and I are having a good week and, and, and our relationship is at its peak and we're, we're loving each other and all of that, and Vanessa's just been su super kind to me all week, it's going to be very easy for me to buy her flowers, and it's going to be very easy for her to buy me some chocolate, right? Um, but if I've been super mean to her, if I've been like not kind and not loving, it's going to be hard for her to, to sow love into me, right? And in the same way, um, it actually makes, love counts the most when it's hardest to give. Love counts the most when it's hardest to give. And so, so to choose in this season to bear fruit, that is otherworldly, that's what's going to speak to the world. 
in a season where it doesn't make sense to bear fruit, this is the season to bear fruit. Amen. So choose death so that you may be resurrected. Death to pride, death to jealousy, death to fear, death to dishonor, death to complacency, death to worry. And, and it's, the, it's actually like the motif right throughout Scripture. It's just repeated and repeated and repeated in all the, the figures of the faith um, through Scripture. You've got Noah, how he's spoken to by God, and then he's persecuted, and he's in, a, he's in an ark, and it's flooding, and it looks like the world's entered into a season of destruction. But because he remained faithful, there's a new era. There's a new world. Um, in the same way, you've got Joseph. He hears from God. He's got those dreams about ruling and, and all of that. But then he's sold into slavery, and he can compromise who he is in that season, or he can be resurrected. When you compromise in that season, you remain dead. The reality is the consequence of sin is death. The consequence of the fall is death, but we don't have to live that anymore. But we've got to choose Christ. We've got to choose resurrection power. So these moments when we're led to our grave or our death or our cross, these are moments to take responsibility and walk in all that God has for us. We know Jesus, he walked with God. He had a, he had a relationship with God. He was God and he came as God in the flesh, but he was persecuted. Imagine being God, the one that created all things, and he was denied by the very ones that he created. He wasn't received. And he comes, and he's not received. And we're going to be reading about how the enemy entices him to, to bear fruit in other ways. And to, into, anyway, I don't want to spoil it. But, um, and Jesus is here, and he's being persecuted to the point of crucifixion, and his character is not compromised, and then he's raised to life. There's something about this that is threaded right through Scripture that I think Holy Spirit is trying to, he's, he wants us to catch this. That resurrection power doesn't come without death. And God uses the wilderness as a wake-up call to be all that he's called us to be in this next season. All right. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and give him a COVID safe hello, first of all. Hello, maybe an elbow, maybe a wave. <laughs> All right. And then now, why don't you say, are you ready to receive resurrection power? All right, say it again. You got to say it like a gospel preacher. Are you ready to receive resurrection power? <laughs> it sounds, it's so, it's so exciting and it's an enticing notion, but it means, are you ready to lay your life down? Something uh, we as a church have always believed in is that we'd rather risk on gifting than character. When it comes to releasing someone into leadership, you may not, we'd rather have someone on here that doesn't have the best voice, but they love God like nothing else. And they honor their leaders and they, they share and they're generous, Right? And, um, and I think with God, He's willing to work. We see it right through Scripture. He's willing to work with the weakest vessels ever, but He wants to use people whose characters will not be compromised. And in this season, when we're elevated to a place, because, because we are tied up in the head that is Christ, right? And so he's, he's elevated us far above every principality of darkness, and He's calling us to decree things and to shift things in the Spirit over the, in this next season. But if we're there... And if we, we can actually be in that place and hold back the hand of God because of our lack of faith or because we've compromised character or because we've denied following Jesus. So I believe the wilderness checks character. It reveals who you truly are. 
It's a preparation before the release. And I believe he uses the wilderness to prepare you for the win. All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. We're going to be looking at what does it take to be a wilderness warrior, a wilderness warrior. Um, So we're about to look at it. So please open up to it in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to go right through to 11. Um, Before going in, Mark 1 also um, recites a story and Luke chapter 4. And they talk about how Jesus had just encountered the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4 actually starts this story saying that, Jesus, full of the Spirit, entered into the wilderness. So let me just set this up and say, you will not handle a wilderness season without the Holy Spirit. If you are not empowered by Him, you're not going to make it through. You're just going to be crushed. Like it's only going to be death. It's not going to be resurrection power. The resurrection power that's in Christ is in Him. So remain in Him and, and allow encounters to fuel you. Jesus was Fueled by encounter, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in that place. It was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you can't do this without His empowerment. And last, uh, secondly, um, after this process, we see something really cool happen. The ministry of Jesus begins. And He starts calling disciples. And He starts preaching. And He starts declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. And he start, we start seeing miracles, signs, and wonders displayed all throughout like we've never seen before. And I believe this season, this crushing, the wilderness, if you can be woken up out of it, if you wake up, um, you know, maybe you're feeling super cold, you know, like I was sharing about the story with Vanessa, and there's something that's just woken you up, react to it and respond to it and realize I got to do something here, right? But this wilderness season is what releases you into ministry. Sometimes we do it the other way around. Sometimes we build ministries and we call people to us and we call disciples and we preach things and we haven't even allowed God to build character in us. And it's not that God wants to hold you back. It's that he actually doesn't want you to fall. You know, the scriptures that talk about how um, don't release or lay hands on people to release them into leadership too quickly, lest they fall into the same temptation that Satan fell into. So this is real. This is legit. And so even Jesus, God incarnate, God in the flesh, went through a wilderness season. All right, let's read it. Picking it up from verse one. Jesus is super tired. He's hungry. He's alone. Remember, he's human. So he's vulnerable. He's exposed to the hot days and the cold nights in the desert. And it says this, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written. Now this is key. Everybody say, it is written. Say it again. It is written. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does it take to be a wilderness warrior? Firstly, I believe it's all about trusting God for provision. Trusting God for provision. When, the, when you see the wilderness on the horizon and you're like, man, I'm entering into a season where I'm going to be in lack or I'm going to struggle. Maybe you feel like you're losing peace in this season. Maybe you, look, you feel like you're losing provision in this season. Uh, uh, we can either choose to provide for ourselves, right? So maybe, maybe you can attain some sort of peace um, by binge watching Netflix or maybe eating a little bit extra than usual. Whatever it is that you enjoy, you can, maybe you find a little bit of solace there. Or maybe um, 
you know, provision. Maybe you start to, to cut on your taxes or maybe you, you're less generous. Whatever it is, these things are compromises to your character. And God is testing us through this season to see who will come out trusting Him for provision. Hmm. I think it's like every parent's struggle with the toddler who's raiding the pantry and, and the toddler's super hungry and you've, you've spent all day cooking a delicious meal, maybe like a lasagna or something like that, and you've sweated away hours trying to put this thing together and the kid's so hungry, dinner's like 20 minutes away, but the kid is raiding the pantry and the kid starts eating potato chips and lollies and making a sandwich and all that sort of stuff. And then, and then you're like, man, you're spoiling your appetite. You're spoiling your appetite because I've spent all day preparing something for you that you're going to not appreciate. And I think the key here is that we forget that what God provides far exceeds anything we could put together on our own. And the temptation in the wilderness season comes to, to shortcut or short circuit what God wants to provide because of fear or because of anxiety or because you look around and in the natural, you're in the desert and there is no water hole. Rain doesn't rain here. There's, there's, I can't, there's no way there could be fruit here, right? But Jesus recognizes something. He recognizes that this, this stone that he could turn into bread would only satisfy him so much. But there's something that God has that will satisfy you eternally. And it's his word. His word satisfies us in the wilderness. Okay, he's not just looking for what can satisfy his stomach, but he's looking for what will satisfy his spirit. Don't sell out for what's temporary. Let God provide for you what only he can provide. Hmm. Yeah, and you know what? The key to this is humility, right? You're not going to go to him if you think you can provide for yourself, all right? Um. I was, uh, there was a couple of ladies out in the cafe, we were talking this morning, and they were just exchanging the greeting of, hey, how are you doing? And then they asked me, how are you doing? And, you know, you always respond, good, I'm doing good, I'm doing great. And, um, and they were just talking about how interesting it is that we often just respond just straight away as like an off-the-cuff thing, yeah, I'm doing great, I'm good, right? And in that moment, you've actually closed off all opportunity for any sort of ministry or help if you're not in a good place, right? And it, so it takes being real to get what you need. It takes humility. It takes acknowledgement. And 2 Corinthians talks about 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, if you want to write this down. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 um, says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul starts uh, talking about how he will boast all the more in his weaknesses for Christ's sakes. He, he, he delights in his weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me make it simple and plain for you. Um, guys, if you've ever dated a girl and you're out on a date and she's not wearing a jacket and she, she's doing these ones, that means she's wanting you to take her jacket off. Now, in the world's... In, in the, in the, in, I don't know how to, how to put this. Ladies have a lot of nonverbal communication when it comes to the relationship, all right? And so there's a lot of things that they're saying that they're not actually saying. But let me help you ladies out as well. Us guys, we're terrible with taking all your cues. If you want to talk to each other like that, that's totally fine. But 
if you don't acknowledge what you need, I promise you we're going to fail. That's just what it is. Three, like years into this relationship and I'm still, I'm still learning nonverbal communication. There's like all sorts of eye movements and this way and that way means different things. And like hand on this side versus hand on that side means different things. And so, but in the same way, if, if, you, if you're cold and you don't ask someone for something, you're not going to get it. And so when it comes to needing something, like don't be so quick to provide for yourself. And when, when, when the enemy talks about turning stone into bread, I think it, it represents um, taking from the earth, trying to, sorry, trying to satisfy what you need with what the earth has, right? Turning stone into bread. But I believe when Jesus says it's not about bread, it's about the word of God. We know the word of God is likened to bread. It's a different type of bread. So you need to acknowledge that no matter how well you can stir yourself up, no matter how well you can feed yourself or encourage yourself or build yourself up, self-encouragement or self-praise or whatever it is, you know, like self-affirmation, you know what? It's not unless you're looking into the mirror, which is the Word or which is Christ, that you're going to grow into Him. It becomes a dead end. So let pride die in the wilderness and be resurrected. Everybody say, resurrected. Be resurrected as a wilderness warrior who wields humility. All right, let's skip through. What else do we got here? All right, let's, let's keep reading. So trust God for provision. All right, uh, chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And then the devil does chucks in one of these. For it is written... The enemy starts quoting scripture. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Then Jesus answers him, it is also written. Everybody say, it is also written. It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. All right, so what does it take to be a wilderness warrior? Firstly, trust God for provision. Secondly, know what is written. You've got to know what is written. Do you know this word? Let's play a quick game. Um, can I grab, do we have a volunteer? Josiah, there we go. All right, we're going to play a quick game to see how well you know your senior pastors. All right, and we've got Fredo Frogs up for grabs. So if you've yet to have breakfast or lunch and you want a little bit of chocolate for your, your breakfast or lunch, it's not bad. No judgment here. It is uh, pandemic season, so I'm sure we're all eating like that at the moment. Um, <laughs> maybe not. All right. So that's bad. Anyway. All right. So we're going to ask some questions. And so the first people to yell out your answers, um, you're going to get a, a Fredo Frog. So let's go. Let's start with some easy ones. Number one, if you're in the first service, don't yell out. All right. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Number one, what is Leo's middle name? Francis. Does anyone know this one? I thought this might be an easier one. What's that? Angelo, amazing. All right, Dave Doe. Okay, amazing. All right, what about Christine's middle name? Anyone got Christine's middle name? Rebecca, yes, over here. Vesna's got it. Amazing. All right, here's another. If you were listening to the preach last week, you might catch this. Um, what industries was Leo working in before preaching? Fashion designing. Amazing. All right, over there, Paula's got it. I think Giuseppe got it as well. All right. Where was Christine born? Sri Lanka. Amazing. Over there. 
All right. Um, what is Christine's favorite chocolate? Toblerone. Amazing. All right. I think Fung got that. And um, all right, this is question number, let's go question number six. All right, we're halfway through. We're going to get to question number 10. Question number six. You got to raise your hand for this one. What is one of Leo's famous sermon illustrations? All right, yeah, do you want to, you, you got to like explain, demonstrate. Come on. <laughs> Amazing. Very good. Amazing. All right. Here's another easy one. Question seven. Where do Christine and Leo live? Blacktown. All right. Chuck chocolates everywhere. All right. Um, question eight. Where did Leo and Christine meet? Blacktown. Melbourne. Good stuff, Arkin. All right. Why did Leo and Christine have so many children? Does anyone know? They love, he was Italian. They love each other. Time for a girl. He actually got it. There you go. This, we, didn't actually, um, we didn't actually get an answer this morning. We actually don't really know why they had so many children, but it seems it, seems it was because they were trying to get a girl. And lastly, here's, here's one. This is an easy one. Describe Leo and Christine in one word. It's your own, own word. Generous. Chuck a, chuck a Fredo. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just yell out some words, the way that maybe you see them. Faithful, loving, extraordinary, I think someone said. Oh, visionary. All right, so there's a bunch of, what's that? Daring, amazing, love it. All right, all right, leaders, yes, leaders, amazing. Okay, so here's, here's the thing, right? To know someone, I believe, I believe, we're talking about, if, if you want to weather the wilderness season, if you want to be a, a, a wilderness warrior, I believe it's key to know what is written, right? And knowing what is written is actually tied to honor. To know someone means you honor what's on them. You want to know about them. You, you're going after this thing. Let me, let me share something with you. Some of you guys know this story, but several years ago, Vanessa and I tried to buy a property off the plan and so that means all you're doing is you're buying a contract. So like kind of picture this as a contract, right? Fat, thick contract. There's nothing tangible other than the contract when you first purchase, okay? And so the, the property was supposed to be done within two years and it ended up taking four and they still weren't finished. And so Vanessa and I really wanted to get our money back, but we couldn't find a way to get our money back. Anyway, the time comes for a final inspection um, and we head to go check out this property and there's no toilet, has, the toilet hasn't been fitted in, the shower head hasn't been fitted in, tiles are missing, doors are missing. And we're like, what's going on? We've, we've bought into a dud, this is terrible. And, and, and there, was nothing, there was a whole bunch in the contract protecting them uh, and allowing them to continue delaying the project, right? And so for us, we're like, flip, what are we gonna do? They're just gonna keep delaying the project, we can't take our money out. Now, we hadn't really read this thing. And then it, it actually took a friend, it actually took my brother-in-law reading the contract for us. He studied law. And sometimes maybe that, that's what faith is a little bit like. You haven't spent time reading this word, but you can. God has commissioned us as the priesthood of all believers. We all have equal access to his word. But sometimes it takes someone encouraging you or reminding you what God says about you. And in this, this instance, my, my brother-in-law had read through the contract and found something crazy in here. 
right? So they're allowed to change the floor plan as much as they want. They're allowed to change the sizes, remove items, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing they had to do when doing that is email us if they remove any items. Not if they move them around, but if they remove an item. They didn't put a bathtub in our apartment. And so on a tiny little technicality, we got all of our money back plus interest, right? Now, here's the crazy thing. If someone didn't take the time to read this and know what is written, I would have just walked in there and had to, to live with what I had purchased or continued waiting, right? And it's the same way like with, with life. Sometimes we're, we're captive because we don't know him. We don't know what he purchased. We don't know what he represents. We don't know what we have access to. And so this is like this is like your salvation. This is a part of your salvation contract, pretty much. This talks to you about all that you have access to. This reminds us who we are in Christ. Know what is written. Because in the wilderness season, people are going to come and try. Like doubt is much more um, real in the wilderness season, if you don't know what you're standing on. Let me explain. Let's just look quickly at the dialogue between Jesus and Satan, right? Here's an immediate red flag. Uh, Satan's telling Jesus, hey, jump off, jump off the, the, the building and see if God saves you. Like, why would God ever lead us to do something that would bring about destruction? We know the character of God. That's why Jesus is like, it is also written. You've got to know the context of the word. But here's the thing, right? Ensure you know your God, not just fragments of Scripture. Read the whole thing. Know Him. Most people would hear that Scripture and just jump, right? If I quote something to you, even right now as I'm preaching, it's easy to just take it. So when the enemy, maybe someone could come and you won't know it's the enemy, you know, and they could come and give you a Scripture and you'll just jump because you read it in the Bible, right? But here's the thing, right? This, this Satan guy had an agenda, you got to know what is written and don't sway to and fro with every word and scripture someone gives you. Let's read the scripture that the enemy quoted, right? We'll read it how he quoted it. He said, it's in Psalms 91 verse 11, if you want to look it up for yourself. Psalm 91 verse 11 to 12. It says this, For he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's how the devil quotes it, but there's a part that he leaves out. And it says, For he will command his angels concerning you, to guard you in all your ways. If these angels are guarding you in all your ways, you're not going to head down a way that is not God's way. In fact, the scripture is talking more about being led away from destruction because you're being led into what he has for us. But if, you, if, if people misquote things like that all the time, um, out of context, and so recognize the red flags in wilderness season because um, it's important. All right, let's, let's skip through a couple of things. Uh, I think this is, this is uh, I can't skip past this. Just Psalm 1, I really love this scripture. Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, or God's word. And on God's word, he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted in streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Get that. When you're in His Word, when you're in God, no matter what season you head through, whatever wilderness you face, your, your leaves don't wither. It's, you're, you become otherworldly. You're, you're tapped into a different resource system. That's why it matters to go through the wilderness. That's why it matters to say, hey, death, bring it on, because in death comes resurrection power. Right? All right. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's continue reading verse 8. We'll finish... We'll come to a close with some of these thoughts. 
Okay, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. This is the devil's final attempt. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he says, all this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Then Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written. Everybody say, it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Wow. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. So what does it take to be a wilderness warrior? Trust God for provision. Know what is written. And thirdly, destroy a self-centered, short-sighted ambition. It's a posture of discipline. It's like, I'm going after this thing. I'm doing away with pride and I'm going after this thing. And it's not a self-centered mission. It's a Christ-centered mission. What was weighing in the balance here, right? Jesus, the man, could do away with, with bearing the cross and being crucified and could just take on this offer from the enemy and just rule. Rule in a carnal way where he could be a king, he could be recognized. Now in this moment, if there was anything within Jesus that desired that, he could have fallen, right? And I believe there are things in each of us, right? The Bible talks about how uh, the Father delights to satisfy the desires of our hearts, right? So I believe the dreams that are in our hearts, He wants to fulfill. But if we don't submit them to Him, the Bible talks about seeking first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. If you, if you don't seek first the kingdom, but you seek first what's in your heart, then you will end up in a place of destruction. Proverbs talks about how there's a way that seems right to a man, but leads unto death. Following your heart un unaligned with Christ can lead you all over the place. In fact, um, gr growing up, you know, I, I would always travel with my parents around the world and they always exposed me to all sorts of things in ministry so I could learn and grow. But as I went, I got offers from different churches all around the world, in the US, in South Africa, in New Zealand, even locally, to come and work there, be part of their church staff, right? And in those moments, like I knew my, a part of my dream was to be in ministry. And I'm like, I could just take this right now. And I'd be like international. It would be, it would look very prominent as well. And, and in those moments, I could just shortcut and, and short circuit what God wanted to do in my life, right? And, and in that same way, when Jesus is offered this, He could do away with all the pain and all the stuff and get what He wanted in that moment if He wanted it. Um, or Jesus could suffer and die and descend to the lowest place among humanity in the hope that all would have the opportunity to be raised to life with Him. And, and someone once said, short-term gain often leads to long-term pain, but short-term pain often leads to long-term gain. And so I believe in patience and having faith in the process. And, and so for me, with that story, by staying where God had planted me, I, I developed character. I, I learned about honor. I learned all sorts of things. I met my beautiful wife that I wouldn't have met if I was here in Sydney. Um, and I get to do, I, I'm now employed to do my dream job. And, and I get to carry out the call that God had for me. But along the way, there's so many, there were so many opportunities. You know, if you take, if you take opportunities as, if you take opportunity as a form, as, as lead for direction. If you take opportunity as direction, 
then you'll be all over the place because opportunities come and go all the time. Seriously, they come and go all the time. I'm super young. And for anyone else out there that, that's older than me, you would know more than me that the opportunities come and go all the time. And, and if, we, if we put more weight on the opportunity rather than what God is saying and what God wants to do through us in that wilderness and dying to self and the process, what God's doing in the process, then we're going to miss out on being all that He called us to be um, in the end game. So 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's actually His process to allow you to go through these things, and maybe it feels slow, but it's a part of His plan to redeem and to reconcile you to Him. So don't, com- don't compromise your identity and your values. Don't be tempted with the reward. Um, Destroy self-centered, short-sighted ambition. Let it die in the wilderness and be resurrected with a posture of discipline. So what does it take to be a wilderness warrior in this season where we're going to stand out like a sore thumb in this season? Because when the world gets darker, the church gets brighter. Do you believe it? When the, church, when the world gets darker, the church gets brighter. It's not something that we have to try and manifest. It's actually just going to happen. But... um. Let's, let's take Jesus' lead here. In the wilderness, you want to be a wilderness warrior, trust God for provision. There's a posture of humility there. Know what is written. It's a posture of honor. And destroy that self-centered, short-sighted ambition, which I think is a posture of discipline. And it's doing away with a self-centered idolatry. We idolize self. So let's finish there. Why don't we stand up? I want to read this over you guys. Psalm 23. I think it's just a beautiful scripture that kind of ties it all together. If you're feeling overwhelmed, tired, unsure, anxious, um, and you need to know what's written, remember it is written. You got to know what is written in Psalm 23 is a beautiful scripture to take on in this season, right? In a wilderness season where, where essentially Holy Spirit is inviting you to die. It's painful. That's the reality. The death can be painful as long as you hold on to what is your ego and what is your flesh. But if you surrender and you let go, you can know that in Him, all things hold together. In Him, there's peace to know that He turns all things around for the good. So letting go becomes freedom, actually. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. That's trusting God for provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. That's knowing what is written. That's knowing who He is in this season. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Other versions say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does the rod and staff speak of? It speaks of discipline, allowing God to lead us into what is, is honors Him. Yeah. Dying to self, getting rid of the short-sighted ambitions and self-centered ambitions and going after what the shepherd desires for us. And you prepare, this is the result. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's gonna be super visible what God does with you. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. 
This speaks of a portion that you receive that cannot compare to anything that the world will give you. And surely your goodness and your love and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And this I know, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just honor you in this moment, God. And um, if we've fallen asleep in this season, we just thank you, Lord, that you're, you're using the wilderness to wake us up. That you, We just pray even now that you would use the wilderness as a wake-up call for your church and that you would wake us up into resurrection life and resurrection power, that we would stick out like a sore thumb. You called us the salt and the light of the, the earth, God. So I pray that in this moment where people are struggling to bear fruit, Father, that you, through your church and through your people, would shine a light so bright that it is impossible to ignore. We pray this all in your precious name. We honour you, King Jesus. Everybody said. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.